Welcome back to Walkins. Welcome. I'm Nick Horde, your host. Got Michael Ray with me. And as always, we exist to help medical practices and urgent cares triple their revenue through digital marketing services and exceptional patient value and experience. Michael, we got a great guest with us today who is here to scare the poop out of everybody. <laughs> and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm for that life. Yeah, yeah. This episode is gonna be a little bit different, but we want to bring good information to, to our listeners. So we have today Ron Shu with Sipoasis. So just to kind of peel back a little bit, Ron's actually been a client of ours for quite a few years. We've had a relationship for a while, but he has a ton of knowledge in the world of cybersecurity. Sip uh, Oasis is an IT company that was started in Birmingham back in 2007. So now it's what, 15 years ago? And a lot's changed since 2007. And I know as a company, you guys have shifted a whole lot of focus towards cybersecurity. And so today we're actually going to be going a little bit, bit deeper into HIPAA stuff because that's changing and people don't know that. And so you had texted me a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, look at this article. This is a real problem coming fast. And so I was like, this would be great for the podcast. So here we are. Ron Shu, welcome, welcome. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm delighted to be here. Appreciate it. Take just a few seconds and introduce yourself to the audience. Well, I know <laughs> we did our introduction, but what do you want them to know about you? Um, well, I'm passionate about making small businesses safer from cybercrime. Um, I, I, I call myself a cyber technologist, which is uh, cyber technology with the occasional LOL in the middle, because uh, while this stuff can be very scary and can really scare the poo out of you, you know, at a certain point, that's not a productive conversation to have. So we try to mix in a little bit of humor with our education of our clients, because um, it really is, is becoming more of a hygiene style, kind of a lifestyle uh, mindset of security. So we try to teach people how to be aware of what's going on and how to be safer without boring the crap out of them like everybody else in the industry seems to do. So <laughs> now we're just, uh, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're trying to help the, the small businesses kind of stay caught up with what it, what it takes these days because they're kind of behind the eight ball, the Fortune 1000, you know, those guys who got tired of seeing themselves in the news have made a lot of investments to close their uh, potential vulnerabilities. And so the bad guys now are going downstream to the people who are more vulnerable, who have less budget, which unfortunately is the people in our market. Mm. Craziness. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the HIPAA compliance. We're going to be talking about the cybersecurity part of that HIPAA compliance. And you had sent us over something that we're just going to read. Um, do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? So, yeah. So there's a, a nice article he sent over. Um, and I just took out kind of the top snippet of it because it kind of summed it up. Basically, the Department of Justice recently announced the launch of its new civil cyber fraud initiative, which intends to use the False Claims Act to pursue cybersecurity related fraud by government contractors and grant recipients. And at the bottom, like toward the bottom, it's like this new initiative significantly expands potential liability for contractors and healthcare providers that participate in federal healthcare programs related to data privacy and cybersecurity. So it kind of opens the, the, the gambit a little bit. It's not, it used to be kind of very healthcare provider focused. Now it sounds like it's just kind of opening that wide open with the False Claim Act stuff. So. Ron, you know a whole lot more about this than I do. So kind of educate our uh, listeners a little bit what this means. Sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, HIPAA, you know, is nothing new. HIPAA has been around since the, since the 90s. But anytime there's a new law that gets passed of any kind, it takes years before people really figure out what it really means 
And then it takes more years for whoever is the enforcement agency to figure out what they're going to do about it and all of those things. And then there are, you know, court cases and whatnot that get adjudicated. And eventually it kind of comes down to a stance on what enforcement is going to look like. And HIPAA violations used to be pursued by the Office of Civil Rights, or the OCR, it's called. They, they consider privacy to be a civil right. And so that's why they, they put it under that agency to regulate it and pursue breaches or, or, or uh, uh, well, yeah, pursue breaches. Problem was that area of the government doesn't, didn't have any funds, really. So they're overworked, underpaid. And so... Everybody knew that HIPAA was this thing, but the chances of anything really happening to you were very slim, just because first you'd have to get breached, it would have to get published, then you'd have to work your way up to the top of the list and for them to do something about it. So now there has been guidance that has been issued that says HIPAA absolutely counts as part of the False Claims Act. And... The interesting thing about the False Claims Act is that it makes provisions for whistleblowers. So the False Claims Act was originally done, like say you are a defense contractor and you contract with the government to provide a thousand rockets and you bill them for a thousand rockets and you only send them a hundred rockets. So if you're ripping off the federal government. The, the whistleblower statute, uh, the, the False Claims Act says that anybody who is familiar that you are ripping off the government can report you and they will receive 20%, between 15 and 30%, call it 20 to be even, 20% of whatever fines the government recovers. So, so just, just to help me unpack this a little bit, Ron. So from what I'm hearing is, Somebody in the billing department is overbilling for services rendered to insurance companies and a whistleblower. Isn't this a good thing? Don't we well, yeah, want our it, government it, not sure. to We don't want fraud in government. And that's, that, that's obviously the idea behind it. But the problem right. becomes that... Um, a lot of the people who are what what's different is yeah when you're if you're talking about something that's that clearly fraud like if I am billing the government for medical services that I'm not providing to patients that are not coming to see me, that's pretty clear cut. What's new now is that they are have decided along with the Department of Justice and a state's attorneys general that every year when you submit your Medicare. Uh, forms, you're certifying to a number of things that are stipulations upon which the government is agreeing to reimburse you for the services that you're providing. And one of those things is HIPAA compliance. And everybody out there who's taking Medicare is saying that they are compliant with HIPAA. And then the problem is that most of the people who are completing these forms are not people like us. They're doctors, there are practice managers. Most of the time they don't, they may not even know what the questions on the forums really mean, but there was never really any teeth in it because, you know, now, I mean, they're cert- everybody is certifying that you are <clears throat> running risk assessments on yourself every year. You're identifying all of the gaps that you have according to the known frameworks in HIPAA. 
and that you have a documented remediation plan for each one of those things. And you're certifying that. So the new wrinkle is now the receptionist for a medical clinic can call up these regulatory authorities and file a complaint as a whistleblower if they know that you're not that where they work is not compliant with HIPAA, then they can file a whistleblower report. The DOJ or whomever comes in and audits things if they determine that in fact you falsified those records, meaning you said that you were compliant with something that you were not, then the fine is your Medicare reimbursement, annual Medicare reimbursement times five. Ooh. So they go back and claw back five years of Medicare reimbursements. And then the crazy part is that receptionist then gets 20% of that as the whistleblower fee and they can remain anonymous. They're, they're nearly incentivizing this. They are well, absolutely nearly. incentivizing this. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it's kind of a big money grab, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where there's no bad guy. I mean, you know, who's going to, what, what politician is going to stand up and lobby against patient rights? you ain't gonna get elected, right? right? And it's really easy to go and wave the thing around and say, we're, we're bringing these fraudsters to justice and that'll get you votes. And you get to keep the money that you, you know, they, they see that as a big uh, windfall budget-wise because you know, the economy ain't what it used to be. Everybody's getting right. pinched, you know, including state attorney generals, all of these uh, regulatory authorities. And this is a big opportunity that's a windfall that uh, doctors and people that are around that are hearing within the sound of my voice, you know, they need to be very serious about taking a, an assessment of themselves now and putting a plan in to remediate the gaps that are inevitably going to be found. You know, the good thing is, sorry, the good thing is that the government generally is all about paperwork. So if you have a document that says we stink at this and we know we stink at this and here's our remediation plan is we're going to do this and this to try to stink less at it, that makes the government happy. If something happens and you shrug your shoulders and there isn't anything to point at, then they get angry and fine. So I had a family member um, a couple of years ago. He owns an HVAC company. And one of his competitors, he had his son out working with him, and one of his competitors turned him into child and family services, clearly because it was a competitor and he got the job and he didn't. It was obvious, but there was no recourse, nothing he could do about it. He had to be checked out for like two or three weeks by mm -hmm. child and family services for no reason at all. So I guess the question then comes in is if you have a disgruntled employee at a workplace, they're anonymous. They can just cause tremendous amounts of damage to your company for absolutely no reason. Yeah, so I mean, this is just this is that fair warning to practice to practice administrators or whoever is checking those boxes each year. If you're checking that box that you're compliant, but you have no idea what that even means, you're asking for potential issues, right? Like, and especially if you have that, if you have somebody on your team that kind of knows what's going on and they're just not happy, and they can say, "I can get." a couple hundred thousand dollars out, out of reporting something why not so yeah that's a that's a challenge <laughs> well as a consumer ron i absolutely want people held accountable if my privacy is is at stake and oh, yeah. you're not taking the measures 
But as a business owner, I have a lot of concern of being perfect at every little, I mean, have you ever read a government document? Mm -hmm. (laughs) First, it's it's written by attorneys, so you can't even decipher it. And then it's up to an attorney, like interpretation. So there's no way even to hit the nail on the head. You can't even check the boxes if you wanted to. So how can we protect, if, if we own a medical practice and urgent care, anything that's going to be taking HIPAA compliant data, how can we protect ourselves, Ron? Well, you can do the things that uh, it takes to work towards HIPAA compliance to be uh, to, to sound, at sound, the risk of sounding overly trite. But, um, you know, HIPAA has a, a lot of provisions, only one of which is in my bailiwick, that's only one of them is, is technical. And yet, we're finding that the complexities of it are some, such that our clients are needing help. And so we actually have a partner that we engage with where they specialize in HIPAA compliancy. They work with us to develop remediation plans, documented known remediation plans that would suffice for a government audit, even if for, for things that, are, you know, some of the things are real low hanging fruit and are easy to do. And some things are a bigger lift and take more time to, to, to address. But as long as you have a plan, then they're happy. So when the government shows up and says, hi, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, you can show them this portal and it has all the check boxes of all of the things that you're doing and who the compliance officer is. And the, uh, the medical practices that work along those lines of that framework will actually be defended from the HIPAA violation allegations and, uh, and lawsuits um, by this third party partner of ours. And uh, they've never had anybody get fined. Um, oh, wow. that went through their process. So um, it's kind of like everything else. First, evaluate the things that you don't know, you know, f- see if all the things you thought were closed really are, inspect what you expect, just to have another overused cliche, um, and then put a, put a plan together and document that plan. Because um, HIPAA is published, you know, it's all pretty clear cut, the things that they want you to do. So yes. It kind of reminds me of uh, when you're that business owner, like, oh, I can run my own payroll. It's totally fine. There's no issues. I get people paid. And then the government comes knocking on some tax stuff. You're like, what, what are you talking about? No, and then this scenario, I can do HIPAA. It's not a big deal. It's just checking boxes. And then they come knocking. <laughs> There's written documentation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you think of it, if for, for some, for a practice that does like 100% Medicare work, you know, I can't think of anything else where anybody's going to come in and, fi- and find you five years revenue as a fine. I mean, that, that's I mean, a shutdown of business. Well, let me just throw this out there real quick. All right. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you accept Medicare, Medicaid, think about just last year, what they paid you on an annual basis. Do you have that number? Multiply it times five. Is that number worth staying compliant, keeping somebody on payroll or outsourcing it to somebody um, who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. to make sure that you're compliant. Think of that number and then think of the cost of a team member or, or outsourcing <laughs> it to somebody who knows what they're doing. And we know that we do like a lot of our urgent care clients and any medical practice, you know, they're probably between one and 5 million a year in revenue. Probably half of that's federal Easily. at that point. So if you're talking two or $3 million worth of a fine, it could happen, which means that whistleblower could get 200 grand, 300,000 bucks. That's six, you know, 16 years worth of salary for reporting one thing. So, and then the ball's in the court. 
Also, there's a thing that was called meaningful use that kind of came first. So when HIPAA was first passed, um, the whole idea of HIPAA in the first place was paper medical records are inefficient and insecure. Therefore, mm -hmm. we want the world to go to electronic health records, right? So that's great to say, but that means everybody in the whole world has to change the way they do things. And so the government did what they usually do. They incentivized it. So they either gave you tax credits or tax breaks, grants, sometimes, you know, tax refunds. They gave people money to invest in the things that were going to make them compliant with the security requirements of what HIPAA was coming. And those were all called meaningful use funds. And like any other medical, you know, government funds, it comes with stipulations. And one of the stipulations is that you're using it to, to, to do this. So if you come in and they do an audit and determine that you're not compliant with HIPAA, then yes, you got your whole Medicare problem too, but you probably received years and years and years and years and years and years of financial benefits of one form or another from the federal government based on you saying you were investing in becoming compliant. So now that's another thread in the sweater that starts unraveling uh, and it gets not fun quick. Now, there's probably some uh, medical practices that are listening today that go, you know, we're not set up to take Medicare. We're not set up to take Medicaid. Uh, we're cash only or whatever. And they may have taken a certain type of loan in 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about how the PPP loan might affect this? Um, that's a great question. And I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on that answer vis-a-vis -vis HIPAA, but uh, the False Claim Act does, would apply to PPP funds. So like if if Nick were sitting here having a beer and you talk about how you got a half a million dollars in PPP money and bought a Lamborghini with it, mm -hmm. you know, then I could call the DOJ as be a whistleblower for that. And then they come in and they pop you back for your, your $500,000 or whatever they fine you. And then I would get 20% of that. Right. So um, I'm not sure if, I don't think that there were PPP uh, specific provisions relative to HIPAA. Um, but the False Claims Act applies very widely to anyone that accepts money from the federal government or right. from the government, state or federal. And I think that's a good point to make. Like a lot of people, a lot of business never accepted money from the federal government until two years ago or a year and a half ago. And then we all accepted it because all of our accountants said, take it, right. <laughs> take the money. And there we go. You know, I will let me put a, a more positive spin on it, too, though, because that that is that is true. But at its fundamental, the whole reason for this, while, you know, it's carrot and stick, you know, the carrot is the government is forcing you to do it and they're going to find you to do it in the hopes that people finally will just do it. And the reality is that the things that they're requiring people to do are really things that you should just be doing anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know, so the the the. The pearl of genuine good of this is that these sorts of cybersecurity measures in this day and age are just table stakes for being in business for, for, for anybody now. And it mm -hmm. sucks that it's as expensive as it is. And I know we're all, everything's getting more expensive every day and I get it, but um, you know, it's just the way that the world is now. And um, you know, in some places you're going to be required to do it. You know, if you're HIPAA, 
you're subject, you got to be compliant with it. It's the law. There are a lot of other industries that are not that way, but honestly, every type of industry has some kind of security framework like HIPAA. And <clears throat> I honestly don't see it being before long where these same kinds of questions are showing up on your bank loan application or your bank loan renewal or covenants with your bank loan that you're uh, you're guaranteeing to them as part of your loan package that you're going to maintain whatever compliance or uh, security things that you sign up for. Um, and people are going to want to start seeing documentation of that, proving it um, to, to be able to... We almost just had a dance party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, thanks, fancy ringtone. <laughs> that was fantastic. I tell you, that talking about regulation, like... Stood like we're in digital marketing, and this is one of the last industries that's not heavily regulated yet. So the the big players try to regulate it, but there hasn't been a massive step in government yet to say what we can and can't do per se. It's been very wild west. I'm, I'm sure it's changing as we speak, but you know it's it is strange for our particular industry. Like our regulations through Google and Facebook, they kind of just regulate everything that we do, whether we like it or not. And now TikTok's mixing into that bag too. That's right. But um, that's what we face. But we know, I mean, just get a, I mean, our world is 20 years old, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's our industry. It's about 20 years old, give or take. Um, but then you're talking medical in general has been around for hundreds of years. So it's only, and it's only, and, I, and I'm on the same boat you run. Like, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a frustration. Uh, but at the same time, if you're doing the right things, like you should be all along, there's really nothing to worry about. You know, even if they whistle blow and there's nothing to be found because you did the right stuff, that just got, you know, waste of time. So like any your strong health food score, you know, you gotta, you gotta put it up on the wall, whatever it is, you know, and, yep. and, and that's, it is what it is. I, I, I believe the foundation of any strong HIPAA compliance uh, structure is going to start with a good IT company. Um, Ron, that's not just a plug for you. We have a friendship and a relationship and a business relationship. But with that being said, people are, people are going to share data. They're going to share data the wrong way. They're going to lose passwords and people are going to access that data. All of this is exposure to a company. Let's talk about how IT incorporates HIPAA compliance as well. And then I know that you put together a landing page where people can go stress test their own uh, IT or their own data right? Yes, thank you. Uh, so our, our, our website is uh, www.sipoasis.com. Think of uh, sipping on lemonade in the desert. Um, and if you go to uh, sipoasis.com slash HIPAA, uh, there's a little form you can fill out and we'd be happy to do a, a quick security scan. It's kind of a, um, like a, for lack of a better term, a defanged hack, you know, where uh, it lets us see what a bad guy who, who want a motivated bad guy could do to you. Um, we don't charge anything for that. It's unobtrusive. We don't need administrative access or anything. So uh, it's a really cool way to show people what they don't know. Mm. And now will that pop back a score to them like out of a hundred or is it something a little different? Explain what they, what can they expect out of that? Well, we would, we'd probably start with a conversation. So they fill that out. We'll chat a little bit about, you know, all of these, these things. And then, uh, if they choose to move forward with the scan, we uh, we send them a little link to, in, in their email to, to click on. Don't ever click on a link in your email, except this one, you know, and then um, 
it installs a little agent that runs for about 15 minutes and you can keep working while it does its thing. It's very lightweight. It's not going to slow your computer down. It's not going to crash anything. And when it's done after 10, 15 minutes, it uninstalls and that's the end of it. Um, and then once we like to run that on, you know, four five, six computers, if they're multiple locations, it's good maybe to run on on one at each, at each site. And then once they've all collected their data, then it takes us about three days for the whole AI engine to, to chew on everything. And then we get a report back that we'll present that, that shows at a high level, not gobbledygook, you know, again, I'm one of the premises of cyber technology is to spew as little jargon and, uh, you know, nonsensical acronyms as possible. So we would review the report result in real English and talk about what the impact of some of these things would be. Um, and people are always surprised to see like all their passwords, like, oh, look, here's your password to the bank. That's kind of cool. Here's your password <laughs> to the Cross Blue Shield. Oh, they're the same password. That's kind of cool, you know? And then people are like- One, two, we're but, all tied one. How about that yeah, one? Exactly. <laughs> password one, two, three. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Wow. And you know, people have the same passwords over and over again. We had to add in, uh, what did we use? Keeper, something like yeah, that. Yeah, we use Keeper. That just houses, it's like vault for all of our passwords. Um, another thing that I would just encourage people because it's become a thing is check your ENO to make sure that you have cybersecurity insurance as well. Um, that's a yes. huge thing. Yeah. And, and, and you can't just apply for it. You got to make sure you're actually in good state too. Like I know, a lot of those insurance policies, they have to check themselves. Like we're not going to insure a company that's fully exposed. And well, we know every Ron Oasis would be able to get you to where you need to be to get that ENO insurance for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a saying every every paragraph in an insurance application exists because somebody got screwed. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. really nothing in there that's for you. It's like a mortgage <laughs> document. Don't even bother reading it. It's like, do you want the house? Yes. Yeah, right. Sign it and shut up. There's nothing in here that's, that's right. good for you. In anything that you don't initial, you're not going to get the house. <laughs> Correct. That's funny. I love it. Well, Ron, we've had such a good time chatting with you today. We're going to drop every one of these links inside of our show notes. Yep. Right. Thank you. So just to just to reiterate those, Ron, if they want to get in touch with you, um, lay it out there for us. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, just they can contact us at our at a website, www.sipoasis.com. Uh, if you want access to non-boring cybersecurity content where you'll be entertained and maybe slip up and learn something in the process, you can uh, subscribe to our the SIP Oasis YouTube channel. Uh, two words, SIP space Oasis. Um, that'll be fun. We've got more, that more content coming out there all the time, just trying to get people to pay attention. Um, so that would be, that'd be great. <laughs> That is not boring IT stuff. No, I, I, I can attest to that. It's fun. Especially the other one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. And then, of course, the, the scanning of sipoasis.com slash HIPAA. And uh, that's a free scan opportunity there. Just put in some information. They'll contact you. But Ron, thank you. This has been a great, it's a little bit of a, a departure from our typical episode, but this is really good information that, because we, we've talked to some of the, the people that have listened to our show and they're actual owners and practice managers like that. We love what you're telling us. And mm -hmm. so if we can slip in there, some extra stuff that could protect their business, not just grow it, but protect it. We're all about it. So this has been really good. And part of tripling your revenue as a medical practice is keeping learned, protecting your revenue too. <laughs> and then keeping it. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ron, right. give us some parting words, man. Lay something on us. You got a haiku, don't you? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. We'll, oh, have <laughs> we'll have to edit it out. We'll have to edit this uh, awkward pause out while I find one that's appropriate. <laughs> so that's where we need your ringtone to show up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll play the. Well, what the audience knows, the reason why we joke about haiku, uh, Ron and I are in a networking group and he always ends his uh, 45 seconds with the haiku and they're actually really funny and very <laughs> on point, which is fantastic. Um, sometimes you got to be careful with the language, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, Let's see if I have, I've been working on some that were HIPAA related, I thought. Somebody <laughs> right now is listening to this podcast. And they need to get out of their car, <laughs> but they where, need to go into the office. The but they're but they're not because they want to hear the haiku. <laughs> All right, so we'll go with we'll go with this one then. It's not HIPAA specific, but it is a very true. Don't reuse passwords, or you'll be the subject of a cyber haiku. <laughs> Perfect. And with that, we're done. Ron, thanks right. for being here. Thank we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. Right, see you. See ya. Bye bye. Wow. Wow.